Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast, episode number 238. And I'm coming to you this evening, Sunday evening. Now, I recorded one already today, which was for yesterday, but this is an earlier posting of the um, recording for today, Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, it's also the second take on it because I did a full take and thought I was done with what I had to say and then deleted it on accident. So this is take two. I hope it is maybe even better than the first one. I don't know, but I did have a chance to say it already. I'm glad you're here this evening and it's good to be posting earlier than I usually am. It was good today to keep my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to be aware of the presence of God. Well, I'm very happy to say tonight that I did it. I watched all three Lord of the Rings films in the theater. Yes, thank you very much. Round of applause, pat myself on the back. Um, I joked to my son as we were leaving, I said, is this when they give us the free t-shirt for watching all three of them? And that is just a joke. They didn't give that to us. But regular listeners will know that the last two weeks I recorded podcasts about the first two films in the trilogy. And I think I shared there, and I'll just briefly share here, that um, I went to see these in the theater, um, our favorite local theater, who was showing these uh, one each week for just $5, which is pretty good, pretty cool. And um, most significantly, I've not seen the films. I've always wanted to. Haven't read the books either and may just do that now that I've seen the films. And most significantly, it was my son who really wanted to do this and to see the films and and really to see them with me. He wanted to share them with me because he's read the books and seen the movies and he wanted to share them with me and have conversation and, and expose me to them. And I agreed somewhat reluctantly because I knew of the time commitment that they would take, especially as you know, school is getting started here in August. But after the first one, I was hooked. I, I love the characters. I love the story, the music, the images. And um, I, I couldn't wait for the second one and the third one. And it was really funny because as, as the weeks have passed in between the, the three films, my son has said to me numerous times, oh, are you excited about seeing the next one? And we're going to see the next one. And have you bought the tickets? And, and I was able to say yes, honestly, uh, to that. And then today we, we finished it. So I'm going to reflect a little bit about um, how I experienced um, something biblical, really, in the film today. And it was um, really something I, I guess I'm going to think about as I get ready to teach a a certain Bible story to my freshmen, when we get into the Old Testament and Genesis and and this um, particular story. So a little bit just background on the Lord of the Rings. So the story is about this um, ring, this ring of power, that um, is a gold ring, a simple ring. And the wearer, when he or she puts it on, they become invisible. So that's the ring's actual specific power. But the deeper power is um, a, a seductive power. This, this ring was created by the dark forces in the world of the story, which is called Middle Earth. 
and the ring is draws in whoever bears it and makes the bearer of it lust for it and want nothing but it and ultimately it destroys the bearer of the ring and also um, everyone around him or her and um, it is um, the, the, the quest or the, the focus of the movie is uh, this hobbit and three of his friends the hobbit is, is Frodo and three of his friends and especially Sam who goes directly with Frodo Frodo bears the ring and his quest is to destroy the ring by throwing it into this volcano and actually the volcano where it was formed you know in, in ancient times by this dark force so that's kind of the, the, the overarching story and one of the characters in the story um, is named Gollum who is where who has the ring before Frodo the Hobbit his uh, uncle Bilbo um, gets the ring in the story that is the book The Hobbit which is which comes before the story of the Lord of the Rings so Gollum is this um, hard to describe he's definitely a subhuman character he is kind of lizardy he eats fish raw by biting into them he is hunched over and stooped over almost walks on all fours and um, is absolutely completely obsessed by the ring and he calls the ring his precious now the ring gets taken from him by Bilbo in in the story of the Hobbit and Gollum runs into um, Sam and Frodo who have the ring in Lord of the Rings and Gollum um, leads them, is going to lead them to the place where the ring is to be destroyed. But we see him struggling um, between the person who he was, and he was once a hobbit named Smeagol, and this horrible, um, violent, lustful, obsessed, um, subhuman creature. And um, that, that's really part of the story is, you know, is he the noble Smeagol who really wants to help on this quest, or is he the violent, lustful, consumed Gollum? Well, the third film, Return of the King, which we saw today, begins with the origin story of how Smeagol becomes Gollum. And it's a scene that reminded me very much of a scene in Genesis. And this is really where I experience God's presence and the insight to recognize this in um, the film. So just to set the scene a little bit, you see Smeagol, the hobbit, and um, another hobbit, presumably his friend, maybe his brother, but they're, you know, they're friends. They're fishing in a boat out on a pond or a lake, and his friend gets a bite on his line and gets pulled into the water by a fish. And as he is um, jetting through the water, he finds the ring in the mud and pulls up the mud and you see him, you know, pulling himself onto the shore and examining the ring in his hand. And he begins, this, this hobbit begins to see something special about the ring. And then Smeagol comes up behind him and for whatever reason, it's not entirely clear, Smeagol is absolutely drawn to the, to the ring. And um, very quickly, the first time he sees it, he calls it his precious and you begin to hear his obsession. Well, he asks the other hobbit for it, and the hobbit won't give it up because he wants it, and the two of them start to tussle, and they roll on the ground, and eventually Smeagol chokes the other hobbit to death and takes the ring. 
And it reminds me very much so of the story of Cain and Abel. Now, the ring in that story, the object of desire, the object of obsession, is not a physical object, but it's God's approval, God's praise, and um, God's blessing. And it's a strange story because Cain is a farmer. He presents um, agriculture to God. Abel is, excuse me, Abel is the farmer. He presents agriculture. Cain is the rancher. He presents livestock. And for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't say, God favors Abel over Cain. And Cain gets jealous, completely crazy jealous of his brother Abel, who received God's praise. And Cain, in premeditated murder, not even um, sort of a crime of passion, murder of passion, so to speak, premeditated murder, kills his brother Abel. And then when he's confronted by, about it by God, just brushes it off, shrugs it off, shows no remorse at all. And I really thought that that scene in opening today's film um, was so reminiscent of that. And I, I have just really followed throughout the, the, the trilogy this idea of the ring as the idol, the ring as what draws us and um, we want to consume and to be consumed by it. And it's interesting, again, in the start of the movie today and in the scene I was describing, after Smeagol takes the ring, you see in a series of um, kind of a montage, you see Smeagol transforming into Gollum and, and separating himself from community and living in caves and, and literally devolving into this creature that is no longer human, but is completely obsessed and consumed by his precious, which is the ring. Now, one final thought before I wrap up, and this is going to be a spoiler alert. I had hope in the film that Smeagol would be redeemed, that when it came to the moment where the ring would be destroyed, that somehow Smeagol would, would maybe be the one to destroy it, would somehow... Um, triumph over Gollum. Unfortunately, that does not happen. Um, the very last you see of the ring is Gollum wrestling it from Frodo, both Frodo and Gollum falling off of the cliff into the fiery pit. Now, Frodo saves himself. He grabs on and is rescued. But you see Gollum fa falling into the lava with the ring, still desiring it, even as Gollum is consumed by the lava and then eventually the ring is consumed and at that moment the evil that is gripping the world and the battle that is being fought between good and evil ends up ending because the power of the ring has been destroyed so in conclusion this idea of idolatry which i think is so pervasive in our time and something we just don't want to talk about um, all of the various idols that we have I like to spell idol today with a lowercase i, capital D-O-L. Think about that for a minute and, and see what I'm getting at. But what are the idols in your life? What are those shiny, seductive things or activities or relationships or even thoughts that you want to have about the world and yourself that you would call your precious, that you desire to consume and ultimately consume 
you with their power and their seduction. As always, I'm grateful that you're here this evening. I'm going to be careful to save this and get this posted and move on with my evening. Thank you. Blessings and peace.